This episode is brought to you by R1RCM, a leading provider of technology-driven solutions that transform the financial performance of hospitals, health systems, and medical groups. R1 delivers proven, scalable operating models that power sustainable improvements to net patient revenue while reducing operating costs. To learn how you can build a future-ready revenue cycle today, visit us at www.r1rcm.com beckers. Hello and welcome to the Beckers Hospital Review Podcast. My name is Will Riley from R1RCM. With me today is Chandra Williams. Chandra is the CEO of Inclusive Care, a federally qualified health center in Louisiana. Chandra, welcome to the podcast. Indeed, it's a pleasure, Will. Let's start by hearing a little bit about you and a little about Inclusive Care. Yeah, sure. So Inclusive Care will be turning 20 years um, come January. In that time, we have developed a model of ambulatory networks of clinics that includes primary care, dental services, as well as pharmacy services, in-house pharmacy services. We have um, other specialties like women's health, as well as behavior health has been growing by leaps and bounds. As far as myself, um, I've had the pleasure of being CEO for nearly 12 years and uh, of our 20-year history and have been excited to lead um, into the future. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Tell us a bit about the market that you serve. You're in the New Orleans market, I believe? Yes. Um, in the New Orleans market, um, a very small market, quite honestly, where there are two large hospital systems um, pretty much in the area. There are um, at least a dozen or more community health centers that's in the surrounding area as well. Mm. I happen to serve a population that can be considered um, urban in its definition, but could also feel very rural. There are food deserts in my area. There are Um, access issues in terms of transportation to accessing uh, high quality and affordable health care. And so inclusive care has attempted to bridge the gap to fulfilling those needs. Excellent. Okay. I'm looking forward to coming back to that and talking more about how you're doing some of those things. Mm -hmm. Before we get there, let's talk about some of the other issues that are facing all providers as we sort of head into 2024. I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the payer situation, the payer dynamics. Mm-hmm. How does that work for a health system like yours today? We're seeing lots of challenges between the relationship between payers and providers, contention, difficulty, co- conflict. Mm-hmm. Is that the same for a health system like yours? Absolutely. We're no different. Um, what we have sought about 12 years ago is when Uh, 12 to 13 years ago, Louisiana engaged into managed care for the first time amongst its Medicaid patient population. Mm -hmm. And so we're now working, we have historically worked with five separate MCOs, and now that number has grown to six. And um, it feels very chaotic. It feels like we're scrambling often. 
it feels as if we're never on the same page, especially as it relates to value-based pay and incentives. That must just what what are some of the consequences of that for an organization like yours in terms of what it means to the finance organization, your finance team, what it means to your clinicians? Well, if we are to follow the systematic approach of how healthcare is being addressed at the national level, that being CMS driving um just how the how we how costs I mean how care is actually paid for and how revenues are generated while value-based pay is taking a large portion of that conversation. So as we're readying the capacity and infrastructure, it's difficult when the managed care contracts aren't necessarily aligned. Mm-hmm. So we're already working with a vulnerable patient population, those who are less than 200% of the federal poverty level, uh, most of whom are, I would say, a pretty sizable number are even uninsured. So, And then there's obviously the gap of underinsured, which are those who may have some level of benefit, insurance benefit, but not enough to cover their cost of care. So when we're grappling with situations such as that, to then fight for the funding or the resources, the reimbursement for the service that you've rendered with the payer is not a fun process. No, I can well imagine. How do you see a way through that? Is there uh, is there a path to a, a better outcome? Well, unfortunately, it almost appears to be um, the design and the plan on their side. When I heard, I think I heard at this conference about $93 billion is what insurance companies have made um, over the last year or a few years. And so the profits, they are motivated and incentivized by profits which simply means keeping the funding that we could have earned. Yeah. And so there is a lack of equity as it relates to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Let's look at another area potentially of challenge, um, the regulatory environment, Mm -hmm. and perhaps more broadly, just the government uh, environment Mm -hmm. that we're operating in right now. Um, What are some of the risks and challenges that you have as a health system from a regulatory and government perspective? Yeah, so as an entity that is funded by the federal government um, through the uh, Health Resources and Service Administration, where we're providing, we're receiving funding to provide care to those who do not have access to high quality and affordable options. Um, With three days approaching, we are, possibly going to be facing a government shutdown. What does that mean? In three days, that means that there's a potential that there will be a portion of patients who may not be able to receive services because of it. So um, it's hard to staff or stabilize staffing to recruit um, high quality, you know, providers who are seeking to do goodwill and service patients, but at a top dollar, because you know, Will, right now, workforce is a challenge, especially in healthcare, and it's coming with a pretty sizable dime. So it is destabilizing, to say the least. I'm sure it is. 
what can you do about that? I mean, nothing, I suppose. What, what, are, what Well, the what things that the we're doing is, you know, when you're in the business where you're relying on government um, to some extent, you try to actually not rely on government. You look for revenue sources uh, that are based on our um, service lines that are based on community need. And you find a way in which to try to yield a gain. And so that makes you less reliant upon the federal government. Can you give a couple of examples of how you do that, how you think about that? Yeah, so um, volume is important um, by being able to service more patients, and that obviously drives more revenue. Um, things such as pharmacy services, offering patients access to high quality and affordable medications, uh, that helps on the value-based pay side, uh, that helps with improving the value of care and the quality of care that we are providing. And so that sometimes yields a higher gain with reimbursement. I see, I see, interesting. Can we talk a little bit about the patient now um, and the communities that you serve? You mentioned that many of your patients are underinsured or not insured. Presumably, though, they still show up to your health system with expectations and needs. Absolutely. How have those expectations shifted over the last few years? Well, the expectations and needs, uh, first of all, you know, when they appear, they walk up to a door that says that says clearly that we are not able to turn anyone away for um, for care or lack of having access to insurance. So already there is an expectation that there will be a provider that's going to be there to treat them, um, that's going to be able to provide them with the highest quality of care. And so, well, quite honestly, I think as a consumer of healthcare myself and my family, we're no different. We're consumers and our patients are as well. Therefore, Uh, What gets me out of bed every morning is to deliver on that promise, to provide them nothing shorter than the best and the highest level of care. How important are things like technology? We see lots of health systems implementing patient-centric technology. Is that a a priority for you? Oh, yes, of course. Technology helps us to do a little bit more, actually helps us to work smarter and not harder. Mm -hmm. Uh, But of course, technology does still come with the cost. So we are very careful about the types of technology, but we are very focused on things, our tools that's going to help with predictive analytics Mm -hmm. that helps us to be able to balance our budget budgets and forecast the cost of care. Can you use technology to help open access to care uh, more in your community? Yes, yes. And I'll say um, from the aspect of scheduling, patient Uh scheduling and optimizations, because in an environment such as the demographics that I just shared of our patients, no shows are, which are basically appointments that are scheduled. The patient does not show up. We can't afford much of those high, you know, um, no-show rates, if you will. So with technology, it does help us to be able to optimize schedules for providers and then, of course, allows a greater access to care. Tell me more about what, what some of the other things you're doing to have an impact in your community from 
a safety net perspective? How are you reaching out and engaging with the community? Well, actually, as attending this conference, the Becker's conference, it's been really enlightening of some of the things that other communities are doing. But specifically, we are focusing on the early child care education of our community. What we recognize, actually, we just built a $4.5 million early child care center that's adjacent to our uh, health care our state-of-the-art healthcare clinic. And so the two are combined and connected because we felt like if we were to provide access to healthcare or influencing healthcare behaviors at an early age, then that will obviously, um, hopefully we have a healthier community and certainly healthier adults. Yeah, okay. Anything else that's on your radar for 2024? What are, what are some big big priorities looming or some other big concerns? We've touched on lots of worry areas. Are there, yeah. are there any others? So um, I'm looking forward to uh, fiscal year 24. Uh, we're looking for even greater expansions and growth. Um, fortunately, we're not having too, too many conversations about physician provider burnout. We've um, really poured a lot into and invested into our provider networks, um, so much so that I, providers who are working in other areas are now seeking services with us because they know that we are an employer of choice. We've become top place to work over the last three years. We've had some many other quality badges that we've earned. And so uh, we're just dedicated to people and people in the sense of our own people that are employed and as well as our patients. So, Chandra, thank you. It's been a real delight to hear from you today. Thank you for taking the time. It's a pleasure, Will. Thank you. <laughs>